Welcome to the Premium Finance Show. Interviews and insights from industry professionals, helping you use financed insurance to provide tax-free withdrawals and extended estate protection. The Premium Finance Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, John McDonough. On this episode of the Premium Finance Show, we talk to Gary Gunn, Texas super lawyer, managing partner of Hughes-Water Askinase, also known as the deal junkie with his many clients. Gary and I have been in the same Vistage group for the last five years plus, and more than any other person or professional, he has seen the ins and outs, every aspect of the Premium Finance Cool Springs design that we put in place for business owners, small to mid-sized business owners, and ultra high net worth individuals. He's also been in, in, in structured finance deals for all different types of industries in his professional career. And he understands at its core using finance to purchase an asset. And he's a big, big proponent of how we set up our design and is a great resource for those business owners who do not have general counsel, outside general counsel, or have a an attorney that they can call upon to vet the Cool Springs design. Gary's seen it for the last five years. He's processed the issues inside of it and is a great resource to have him at your disposal. We are thrilled to have him on the show to help walk through some of the premium finance issues as well as what Hughes Water Askinase has to offer for their clients. Make sure you listen. Hey everyone, welcome to the Premium Finance Show. And on today's show, I am very happy to have Gary Gunn, managing partner of Hughes Water Askinase, on the call with us. Gary, welcome. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. One, because you're a friend of mine. Two, because you know we've been in the same Vistage group now for for five plus years. But three, giving your your daily expertise as an attorney, and I'm going to let you explain what type of law you practice. You have heard more about the Cool Springs strategy than anybody else, I think, in the professional space that doesn't work specifically with our company under a retainer or anything like that. So I'm really interested to hear your your perspective on Cool Springs. But before I do that, Gary, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the listeners to who we're so you know blessed to have on the call today. So Gary's been an attorney since 1988 and served as managing partner for HWA, which is Hughes Water Askinase, since 2007. His experience includes over 30 years in structuring and negotiating business transactions and workouts, serves as outside general counsel for companies of all sizes, all stages, certified by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization and Commercial Real Estate Law, Selected by peers as Texas Super Lawyer 2013 to 2021, ongoing, Chief Operating Officer for a technology company during the 1990s.com boom. He loves helping his clients achieve their goals and realizing their dreams. Having been described as a deal junkie by clients, and I would attest to that, he assists his clients in structuring and negotiating complex business transactions, including commercial loans, private equity, venture capital investments, real estate and business acquisitions and sales, commercial leases and technology transactions. As a young technology executive with legal budget responsibilities, he valued cost-effective and practical solutions 
and you strive to provide the same to our clients, to his clients. While representing his clients in the best of times can be a tremendous amount of fun, an attorney's most rewarding work often comes when they're called upon to guide their clients through their most difficult times. His workout experience and entrepreneurial background uniquely position him to devise and execute creative and efficient solutions for his clients' problems. When he's not working, which is a lot, he can be found spending time with his wife, Virginia, and three sons, Graham, Braden, and Grayson, and riding a road bike outside the city, playing music with friends on his guitar, or helping charities like In Kids, an autism nonprofit that we know very, very closely. Gary, again, welcome to the Premium Finance Show podcast. I'm pleased to have you on. Thank you. So let's kind of ease our way into this, and we're just going to have a conversation, as some of our other guests have had. I don't really have an agenda per se. While, yes, I want to talk about the Cool Spring structure and your positioning and your take on it as an attorney, I really want to know, I want the listeners to know, learn more about you, your firm, and the kind of expertise that you could possibly provide for them. So let's just start super high level. How did you decide to become a lawyer? Well, you know, that's one of those kind of it, neither here nor there stories, but as I was approaching my 15th birthday, I was just dying to drive. I, I could not wait. And my parents were dying for me to drive because they both worked and I had younger brothers and sisters and they just wanted me to take them places. So my uncle comes into town on my 15th birthday, picks me up, takes me to the courthouse and gets me a driver's license, a hardship license. And that was like, at that time, that was the happiest day of my life. And I thought, any profession that allows you to make somebody so happy, I'm, I'm in. And, and that was from that point forward, you know, I was going to be a lawyer. I had no idea what <laughs> other than getting a driver's license it was going to be, but you know, that kind of evolved. Well, there's many kinds of different lawyers, right? And I've <laughs> worked with many different kinds, as I'm sure our listeners have. How did you decide to become a business lawyer focusing on deals? Well, it, it was for me, it was kind of a gradual thing. I mean, e even in high school, but that same uncle that you know got me the driver's license, he picked me up one day and he took me to the courthouse to look up some land records. And, you know, I mean, some people say that's really nerdy work, but for me, I, was, I just found it really, really interesting. I mean, it was it was kind of history looking back in records, and then there was the legal aspect of it, and I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And, you know, then in college, I started working for this real estate services company as just a means to pay the rest of the way through school. And I really liked the work, but as a part of it, I, I started interfacing with a lot of lawyers, a lot of real estate lawyers, a lot of business lawyers. And I really liked what they did. And they were all really open with, you know, talking with me about what they were doing and how they were doing it. So I mean, it just kind of evolved from there. And that's really where, it, that's when I decided to go to law school. And that's really why it made it, once I got out of law school, that, that deals were what I was going to do. Okay. And so, you know, you've obviously been a very successful lawyer and you continue to be a successful lawyer regarding Hughes Water Askinase as the firm for a listener that hasn't heard of HWA, maybe not here in, in Houston specifically describe HWA, the scope of legal work that you guys do, and then your roles and responsibilities on a daily basis. Okay. Our firm, we're a wide range of services, kind of commercial law firm. I mean, we pretty much a company or investor or, or individual that's involved in business. 
most of the things that they may face in their day to day and their crisis for that matter, you know, we're going to have people in house that handle those sorts of things. If, you know, if they get into an unfortunate dispute, which unfortunately everybody knows happens from time to time, we have a litigation department that, you know, will represent them of court, in court if they have to, or in arbitration. We, when, when things get really bad, we have a bankruptcy department that can help them through their worst crisis. You know, we, we do a lot of financial work, you know, for banks. And so we will help banks structure transactions you know, both on the lending side and when things don't go so well, we'll help them, you know, with the whole default service process. Well, in my experience with you, you've been in my Vistage group now, or I've been in your Vistage group. You were there first. We've been in the same Vistage group now for more than five years together. And you really do have a, a sense of you know, the venture capital deal, the private equity deal, the the taking on a note, taking on debt. You know, you really, I'm very impressed and have been for the longest time on your perspective and and experience when it comes to deals. Because that really in Vistage, when you're not talking about human resource issues, most of the time the conversation centers around either deal structure, should you bring in private equity, should you get debt to expand, should you issue, you know, shares, you know, on a, on a, on an offering, so on and so forth. And your, your insight there has been very, you know, on point for, for as long as I've known you. You've also been the one that's probably been most exposed to the Cool Springs design. Since I came into the Vistage group, I felt like you nailed it after you heard it the first time. Um, why do you think that is? Let's just start there as we gradually kind of work into the Cool Springs. Why do you think you picked up on the structure of how we do things at Cool Springs so quickly? Well, because I, for me, what you do at Cool Springs is not dissimilar to you know aspects of what all my clients are doing. They're, they're, they're trying to do deals that best benefit them. They're trying to do deals that best benefit their employees. And, you know... Your your plan designs. I mean, they're they're all about essentially establishing an asset, which is a life insurance policy, and then you know finding a way to finance them. And and the way to do that is debt financing. And you know my my day job, the thing I do you know all day long, other than manage the law firm, is you know I'm you know managing financial transactions you know between companies and between banks and companies and that sort of thing. And I'm constantly looking at financial statements. I'm constantly looking at spreadsheets. And so, you know, the, the, the sorts of transactions that involve spreadsheets and financial statements, they're just, you know, a part of my day to day. And so it, they're not for, they're, they're the opposite of foreign. They're, you know, I, I probably see them in my dreams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, just the, the kind of thing where I, I'm like anything else, you do it every single day and it, you know, it, to people that don't, it maybe it sounds or, is, or seems complex, but for me, it's just, it's my day job. Well, and that's really the conversation that I've been having with business owners and CFOs recently and family offices and their attorneys is I've been replacing the word life insurance with the word asset. And basically we're purchasing an asset. And instead of using cash flow and equity from the firm, 
to purchase that asset, we're using financing to purchase the asset. And then all of the the terms and, and rates and all those issues that come with financing to purchase an asset. And then when I take asset and replace it back with the word life insurance, it seems to fall differently in people's mindset. They tend to understand it a little bit better. But, you know, one of the things that I struggle with consistently is for those business owners that have bootstrapped it all the way up to Uber success, haven't been exposed to super high levels of financing asset purchases. They, they really struggle in thinking of life insurance as an asset class, as something that not only is purchased for cash accumulation, but can be financed to purchase that cash accumulation. It's not strictly just for death benefit purchases or, you know, death benefit protection. So your, your coaching and your verbiage and all of our Vistage meetings and that way you speak has really helped translate into our day to day. So I know in our Vistage group, all the various types of companies that in, in industries that are represented. But for the listeners, you know, what are some of the characteristics of companies? What are the industries? What are the types of firms and people that would most benefit from your work? You know, to begin with, I'd say that, you know, any company in, in business, you know, or, or that any group of individuals that want to get in business can benefit from our work. But I'd say those who benefit the most are probably number one, companies, investors that are, you know, in that sort of emerging and growth mode. You know, we're as a firm, we have this, you know, very entrepreneurial bent and, you know, kind of, I don't know, curiosity. And, you know, I, I know for me, I just, I really enjoy learning about clients' business and, and how their business operates. And that, that helps me and us, you know, better understand how to help them and help them grow. Probably the second kind of company that we can really help with is those that have, you know, com- complex financial issues complex in, in terms of the legal things. Like for instance, companies that need to go out and, you know, do a big loan, you know, they're going to buy a big asset like a building or they're going to go and you know, do a big operating loan or something like that because, you know, those, those loans come packed with a lot of financial representations, a lot of financial disclosure requirements, and then a, a lot of financial covenants that if you aren't intimately familiar with your financial statements, your spreadsheets and all of that, you know, they, they can have a lot of pitfalls. I mean, but, but, you know, when you understand them, I mean, you know, they're, they're all very, very workable. So the way you're describing it to me is it's it's beyond what a CFO would do on a daily basis, really beyond, you know, far beyond a bookkeeper or an accountant. And I'm talking about those firms, you know, because our Cool Springs for us, we're in that small to medium sized marketplace anywhere between, you know, five million to to. 50, 100, 200, 300 million in, in top line revenue, 500 million top line revenue, EBITDA strong or trending in the right direction. And some of those people, you know, in, in Vistage, we have a saying, what got you here won't get you there or who brought you here necessarily won't be the one who gets you there. And, and I'm saying all of that to kind of bring to the listener's mindset that, your expertise is helping them take their financial structure and really bring it to another level 
from a deal perspective. It's beyond what a CFO would do. And it's really beyond the scope of what, you know, a, a general counsel would do. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of senses. And, you know, I mean, with that said, I mean, I serve as the outside general counsel to a lot of companies. And, you know, in the sense that, you know, you're talking about the market you described, that kind of five to $50 million company, I mean, that we have a lot of companies that are clients that, you know, that, that's definitely within the wheelhouse. We go bigger, but, you know, in, in terms of the companies that we represent, that's probably, you know, very wheelhouse for us. And a lot of them don't have, you know, either sometimes not the budget, sometimes just not the desire to have a in-house counsel. And so I'll serve in that function. And, you know, way back in my background, I, I served as general counsel back in the nineties for a tech company. So it's, you know, very comfortable and familiar for me. And, and you know, I get, yeah. I, I get, oh, I'm sorry, Gary, I didn't mean to step on you. Keep going. Oh, I, mean, I was just going to say, I mean, even, but, but, you know, when I was much younger and I was serving as a, a, a tech company GC, you know, I would say that I didn't have, you know, 25 years ago, the financial sophistication that I have now. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about now, I would have really struggled through. It just, you know, having now done it for another 25 years, it's just very comfortable. Yes, you are wise. And <laughs> as I keep <laughs> and, and old. <laughs> <laughs> well, wise sage. Let's just call you wise sage. How's that? I get I get slightly look, I get it. When when I present a deal, a Cool Springs deal to a prospective client and their CEO, CFO, and they've never heard about this before. I often get the, all right, well, we need to vet this, right? We need to vet you, Cool Springs. And what they really mean is, this is how I interpret it. I'm going to get your take on it. They have a disbelief to a certain extent that the economics can work the way they work and that you can structure a deal financing the purchase of life insurance the way we're, we're positioning it. And so when they go, they go and get those same trusted advisors, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, but I'm using this, they're using the same trusted advisors who don't have the exposure, the experience, the expertise to structuring the purchase of life insurance the way we're talking about here for tax beneficial distributions. And they get the same bad advice or they get the same uneducated, unexperienced advice that, yeah, this isn't a good deal. Are people able to use your firm to vet this type of structure? And we've never used your firm and a client of ours has never used your firm to do this, but are, are y'all appropriately, you know, set up where you would think you could provide a vetting outsource for people that need to truly understand. And, you know, obviously I'm a sales guy, right? That's how they view me. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to tell them all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff, but could they come to HWA and you specifically Gary to, to kind of vet this? Yeah. Well, for, first of all, say, I, okay, maybe you are a sales guy, but if you're a sales guy, I mean, having sat and gone through a lot of these spreadsheets with you, you're the smartest sales guy I know. Thank so, you. You know, just take that for what it's worth. I, I think there's a you know a number of aspects that we could be really helpful to clients with. There's there's certain things that you know are, are outside of my expertise. You know, there's there's tax law issues, and you know one good example is 
you you probably get some resistance just on the idea that you know, that that basic thing of can can one really buy a life insurance policy overfund it like mad and then let you know the overfunded portion of the policy grow and then borrow against it tax free i mean i've i've had people you know that would tell me no i don't think that's true and yet i've i've seen that happen for years you know mm-hmm. and you know and so it's it's not my expertise but yet i've just i've seen it happen so many times all the way through fruition that i i know it happens and you know i i know that that is a legitimate tax exception and it it's kind of crazy i mean that for me that was kind of the cool thing about your plan design was you know it i always thought man what a cool vehicle you know what a cool retirement what a cool long term planning vehicle for a rich person i mean as long as you just got $500,000 of of disposable income every year to chunk down towards a policy well then you know it's perfect for you problem is most of us i mean you know we're working hard we're doing well but you, know, you get a wife, you got kids, you got college, you got all this stuff. I mean, a half a million dollars a year free just to devote to a policy and to overfunding a policy, that's just too much. But then your plan design solves that issue, right? I mean, it, it's the, it's the loan. It's not, it's not just that you have a loan product that's, a, that's tied to it. It's that it's this incredibly low interest loan, you know, that's right. It, Compared compared to what I could go out and get myself, and you've got you know lenders that are actually willing to accept the life insurance benefit as the collateral for the loan for the most part. I mean, there's there's some certain collateral requirements, but mainly it's they're they're just looking to the life insurance plan, and most lenders, you know, they're not doing that. And, and that's not, what's and that's what's really it's simple when we understand it, but it's so different than the mainstream person. And you brought up a good point. I mean, even if you had $500,000 of additional cash flow, our experience tells us, and the last thing you want to do is pay for that inside of a life insurance policy. I mean, Sam, the founder and CEO on the very first podcast tells a story. I don't know if you had had a chance to listen to it, but he tells a story about how he got into the premium finance business. And he had a gentleman in the Georgia you know, Atlanta area had a very sizable portfolio of stock options and had created a mass of, of net worth. And he was trying to protect his estate in, in the event he passed. And he was staring down, you know, the barrel of writing nearly seven figure checks every single year to finance the, or to pay for the purchase of his life insurance policy. And he just couldn't get himself to write the check everything was done. All he needed to do was write the first check. And he was standing over the check and he couldn't get himself to write it because he realized it's not only that check, it's next year's check. It's the following check and the following check. And that wasn't even the the design to create tax-free distributions. That was from a death benefit perspective. And so those people that even do have the money, Gary, they don't want to finance their own cash for the life insurance policy. So financing it through the low cost loans, you know, right now we're using either a 30 day or overnight LIBOR plus whatever the banks will charge. And that's very, very low. And again, plugging the podcast, the second podcast I had was, um, was 
an interest rate expert from Bascom Advisors, Trey Kelly was on, and he really described the the lack of concern for a hyper hyper inflationary environment. While yes, we want interest rates to gradually go up, there's not a concern for a hyper inflationary market. And he also addressed that Armageddon scenario, which you and I have talked about, and you've heard me process that issue in our Vistage classes or in our Vistage meetings. You know, that Armageddon scenario is where the client or the, the advisor says, John, what happens if the stock market crashes and interest rates go through the roof for 10 years consecutive? And that's not going to happen. And I tell people that that historically has never happened. But again, I'm the sales guy. So when you get an interest rate expert on there that addresses that that's not going to happen. So that in conjunction with you vetting the structure of the loan relative into the terms of the loan relative to the asset that's being the purchased and the, and the, the characteristic, the asset. That's really where, you know, the value comes in and your expertise being able to address that. Unfortunately, most people rely on their same old advisors. How, when do people find you, Gary? When do people find HWA? I mean, you're not a salesperson. You're, you're a subject matter expert. So, so do people come to you when it's too late? Do they come to you proactively? How do they actually find you? Yeah, they find us through a lot of sources, and you know, sometimes I'll get calls when you know from attorneys that I know that they may not have specific expertise, for instance, with you know really large complex lending transactions, and you know, they're I mean, they're really really good attorneys. It's just that that's not their day job, and they want to make sure their clients. You know, get the benefit of somebody with experience, a lot of experience in those areas. And so I'll handle that transaction for them. And, you know, that, that's one way it happens. You know, I mean, some are obviously, you know, clients that have, you know, been in the firm forever and, they, you know, they have those types of needs. We handle them. Sometimes it's just, you know, companies that, you know, they're just, you know, they, they have that need and, and they, you know, go out looking, they start asking around and, you know, I, I come up on lists of, you know, here, here's a group of three attorneys you can call that know about this stuff. And, you know, so call them up, you know, they'll call me, we'll have a meeting and, and, it, and it goes that way. But, but yes, I have also countless people that they come when it's too late and, you know, you, you look at things and you go, oh man, I so wish that we would have talked before because there's there's just some structural issues here that we can't surmount. So, you know, you just kind of try to work through those issues as best you can. Yeah, and and that that's the struggle, right? Is and I kind of feel the same way is how do I get to that business owner that has an employee retention issue? How do I get to them before they lose those key employees? How do I get to them in a manner where they don't view me as a salesperson, but truly as a, a problem solver, a, a, a provider of a unique solution that, yes, while it's not mainstream, the guts of it, the foundation of it has been around for the longest time. Wealthy people have been financing the purchase of assets using other people's money since 
you know, we can go back to the Rockefellers, you know, and, and the JP Morgans, right? It's just how wealthy people, wealthy businesses, they, they purchase goods and they purchase assets is typically, especially in a low interest rate environment, they use other people's money because their money can earn more staying invested in other places. So you've told us about, you know, the types of clients you help with their transactions. Do you provide any other types of legal services, Gary? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I talked about the general counsel services that I provide and, and, you know, I certainly do a lot of that. And is I, I think, you know, I talked also about our firm and, you know, the fact that we have a much wider variety of commercial services that are available. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times when either there's disputes or when the, you know, circumstances are tough and they need a, a little bit of, you know, bankruptcy or debt restructuring kind of help. So what would you say, you know, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I kind of did that on purpose, but what would you say are the biggest misconceptions people have in your mind when you've sat through the Vistage meetings and you've heard other business owners address the cool springs and then, you know, maybe personally, what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions people have out there about the, about the cool springs? A number of them really. I mean, one of them is the thing we talked about before that, you know, there just can't possibly be some kind of a solution where you can give a life insurance policy, overfund it, and somehow get tax-free income out of it. And, you know, you know, as we discussed, that's just simply not true. I mean, that, that device has been around and, you know, you, there's, there's plenty of, I mean, you, I'm sure you have plenty of legal materials and, you know, tax materials that prove that case. You know, an, another thing that it seems like I constantly hear is, you know, no, this is just too complicated. You know, this is this, I don't understand it and nothing complicated ever works. And, you know, I, for, for most things that are complicated, I mean, to begin with, people, you know, business owners use complicated stuff every day. I mean, if, if you weren't going to use things that were complicated, you couldn't use a computer, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you get start getting down to complicated transactions and that even, even transactions business owners do, they often get complicated. So they hire experts and they get all the expert advice that they need and then they enter into the transaction. And I think, you know, really to begin with, for me, my day job, I don't, I don't really think it's that complicated. I, like I said, I think it's, it, it's an asset acquisition and, you know, like you were talking about, you know, asset acquisition, you know, and, and how wealthy people have been, acquiring things using debt for years. Well, the truth is business owners, not even wealthy business owners, but just, you know, emerging businesses, you know, businesses that are, you know, just mid live stream. I mean, all the time you'll see business owners, you know, buy, you know, buy their operating facility and they'll finance it through a bank. It, it's That's not right. that different. It's you not, know? it's so, just a different asset. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, I mean, they, they buy the building because, they need the operating facility. They want to control it. They want the ability to modify it as they need, and they, and they want to have control over the time that they're in it. And you know, it's for your plans. I mean, it's really an issue of the asset is life insurance, but in the end, it's also what you're trying to do is you're trying to protect one of your most valuable assets, which is your most valued valued employees. 
you're, you're, you're right. trying to convince your best employees to stick around for a long time. And, you know, a, a plan like this, you know, you, the way you structure these things, staying for two years and then leaving, they're not going to get the benefit of that at all. And so the way to get the benefit out of one of your plans is to stay for 10 years, which is exactly, I mean, my attorney, I mean, my great attorneys, I want them to stay for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I want them to retire here. And so, you know, I, and I think that's for most business owners, that's what we all want is we, we want our employees to be our best assets. And so, I mean, if I'm going to spend the money on a building, wouldn't I spend the money towards keeping my employees happy and, and giving them incentive to stay? You know, and, and I, I, this is a problem. This is an issue all employers face, whether you're a startup company or whether you're one of the, the, the benchmark companies. I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal week before last, I think, and how it talked about their class of employees right now that are making between $110,000, $130,000 analysts that are making $110,000, $130,000 are leaving Goldman Sachs, one of the preeminent firms in, in the finance industry, to go to competitors for an additional twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year. And while, yes, that's a big dollar amount, that's not enough money to lose an employee over, especially if they're an employee that's, you know, being fast tracked for management or, or leadership position. And, and I, every time I see an article like that, or I overhear a conversation with a business owner saying, I really, I don't want to give them equity. I, I, there's no more stock options to give and stock options are only as good as the day they are when they exercise in them anyway. But I really, I'm just, I'm refreshed to hear you say that those misconceptions, it's just really what it boils down to, Gary, is it's just lack of knowledge and education and exposure, really more than anything else. They just don't have the exposure to all of the vast array of tools in the toolbox as a business owner for employee retention. And, and I'll say one more thing about the complexity issue. Yes, this can be viewed as complex, but how many business owners, I'm not asking you directly because I'm not going to ask you to give tax advice, but most business owners, I would assume, do not just simply file their form 1040EZ on the irs.gov website and submit their tax returns. Most business owners do Schedule A's, Schedule C's, Schedule E's. They do all kinds of different you know, attachments and addendums and have very complex tax structure legally and ethically to minimize and reduce the amount of taxes that they pay to the federal government. I think the Supreme Court Justice Judge Learned Hand said it, it's an American citizen has no obligation to pay more than what they're obligated to pay in their taxes or something to that extent. But business owners all the time and create co- create complex tax structures to minimize legally and ethically the amount of money they pay to the government every year to, to keep their money. This is, you know, while it's not in that same realm, it's not far removed from that because we're trying to figure out a way how to hold on to your hard-earned money as much as possible, but yet accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish. Okay. Enough of that for me. So, how does somebody get in touch with you, Gary? And, and, and really, what's the process look like for them if they were to reach out to you? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, they can, generally speaking, most people either call me on 
on my phone or they send me an email. Email is usually about the best way. I, I check my emails constantly. I have other people checking my emails. So it, it, if somebody sends me an email, I'm, I'm going to be getting back to them, you know, that day, usually, unless, they, unless it's 11.59 p.m. And even then, you may have a shot. <laughs> and, you know, generally speaking, you know, somebody will contact me with either, you know, some issue they want to talk about or, you know, just some, some vision they have, some dream they have, some, something they want to accomplish. And so next step is, you know, schedule a meeting. It, it, it can be in person if they want, or we can do it over the phone. We can do it, you know, via teams, however they want it. And just talk through what it is they want to accomplish or what their issue is. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, can, can we help? I mean, if, if we can help, we, we love to help. If it's the kind of thing where maybe it falls outside our expertise, and sometimes that's the case, then we also know a lot of other really good attorneys, and, and we can refer them to an attorney who hopefully can help them with their situation. And so, so once once we go through that, if, if they decide to engage us, there's a you know, an, an easy engagement process. We, we have to conflict check, make sure that we don't have any conflicts of interest as to their particular deal and that sort of thing. And, and then, you know, they engage us, we go to work. And, and your website is hwa.com. It couldn't be more simple, hwa.com. So you mentioned vision. What is your vision for HWA, Hughes Water, Askinase? What's your vision, and where do you hope to take it in the next five years? You know, our firm is Houston-based, and, and we serve clients that have deals and assets and issues in Texas. And, you know, we're a very entrepreneurial-based firm, and we just see a huge amount of opportunity coming in Houston and in Texas. I mean, we, we see, you know, lots of emerging technologies that are starting to, you know, impact business, you know, really both in terms of, you know, companies that are sort of on the forefront of those technologies and pushing those technologies out. We love, you know, helping them. And then for, for us, probably even more importantly, you know, th there's so much technology that's coming that our clients are just grad adopting. And, you know, good examples of that are, you know, you, you've probably started to hear about smart contracts mm -hmm. and blockchain and, and things like that. And, you know, most companies, you know, I, I say blockchain, everybody's eyes, they just glaze over. But the truth is, over time, you know, the technology people are going to develop these smart contracts that... They, you know, once you enter into a smart contract, a lot of it kind of self-executes technologically, and it eliminates a lot of oversight. It eliminates a lot of overhead. It's just a much more efficient, cost-effective way to have a contractual relationship. Those are the kinds of things that clients are going to be moving towards over time, and they're the kinds of things that we want to help our clients move towards. I mean, it helps their business and, you know, get them more technologically that it helps them compete into the future. And that's so awesome. th that's the sort of thing that is a firm that we really want to make sure the worst thing at the forefront of. Outstanding. Any parting pieces of wisdom from the wise sage before we cut this podcast today? You know, I, I think I've said 
all that I know today. Maybe not all that I know, <laughs> but all, all that I know good. And, and, and I can tell you we ought not talk about soccer because you need another podcast for that. I should start a soccer podcast. That would be a lot of fun. Gary, <laughs> thank you for your time. I know how busy you are. I know how committed to your firm and, most importantly, your family you are. So thank you for doing this. And, again, Hughes Water Asking A's, Gary Gunn, HWA.com, and I'll have their contact information on the podcast page. Gary, thanks for your time today. Thank you, John. I enjoyed it. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at premiumfinanceshow.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at coolspringsfinancial.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.